What's up, everybody? My name is Joe Sibbs, sitting across from my co-host. Anaya Bogue. We're about to kick off Rad Parenting. Hope your summer is going well. Summertime is out of control at my house. You just I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yes. (laughs) Two kids in the front yard. Uber coming from my daughter to go have lunch with her friends. And then my son's going to the beach. Nice. And then they take a road trip. That's exciting. I kind of want to go on that road trip. Would Karen yeah. take me along? <laughs> Karen, you know what? That would be a great road trip for you to go on. I think it would. Yeah, they're going They're going to go away for like three or four days where they just stay at campsites and sleep in, I think, at one, they're going to go near the Grand Canyon. Is Karen an experienced camper? No. Because I am not. No. Like I would be no way. not good in that. Uh, Karen always loves, the families always love when I go camping because I treat it like being in a band. Yeah. I pack everything. I'm like... We got this. We got, hey, I would like a cup of coffee. I got this little teeny coffee pot. Hey, I want to cook this. Boom. I have all of the gear. I want to go camping with you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But um, what's fun, you would love camping with Karen because Karen always makes fun of me because she's like, you don't even look like you're camping. I still have my hair slicked back (laughs) and I'm not dirty because I'm like, just because I'm camping doesn't mean I have to be miserable. Yeah. And And and, not look good. Yeah. No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm very vain while I'm camping. She's like, who has hair grease in their hair right now? And I'm like, I do. <laughs> We're about to have cocktails before dinner, so I want to look the part. Yeah. <laughs> she actually posted a photo once on Facebook, and it was like, camping, family camping trip. And a bunch of the comics, com- comics, a bunch of the comments on the photo that she posted on the Facebook page was, when did Joe get there? Like this morning? <laughs> And I was like, no, I've been on the whole five-day trip. <laughs> I know how to iron my clothes on a, on a sleeping oh bag. God, What's I up? can't. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love summertime. We were, it, it's, it's such a great time at the house. It's, it's funny because, and this kind of leads into today's episode, uh, is just a lot of the driving around and going here and there has kind of stopped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's not on a strict schedule. It's not on a strict schedule. I like that. Everyone's kind of sleeping in. Everyone's getting up and doing their own thing. And it it really allowed me to kind of take inventory of how much we're actually doing during the school Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And you and I started talking about it. And although... I've never felt that, I, and that term, I almost want to come up with a better term, like the helicopter parent. Yeah. Because until you have kids, I feel you hear about the helicopter parent, and my first thing was like, I'll never be like that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I'm in the helicopter. I own the helicopter, and I'm full helicopter parent. <laughs> I, I'll admit to it. I mean, I mean, how, how about okay. you? Have you? And, uh, and you, can you, can you, for our listeners today, sure. for our listeners today, can you kind of break down the terminology? Define, sure. Yeah, define a helicopter parent for the, the, the parents that are about to buy their own helicopter, and then for the parents that are in the helicopter. Oh, very as we're, familiar with it. And they're listening to this yes, right sure. now. Just give, it, give me sure. your definition so of helicopter, helicopter parent. parenting refers to parenting that tends to be over-involved. That would be a nice sort of brief, meaning that, of course, while we want to be present parents and available to our children and involved in activities and blah, 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 helicopter parenting tends to go, it tends to cross over into um, the realm of like, my kid is an extension of me. I need to be involved in everything they do to make sure nothing goes wrong or they don't make a mistake or they don't fail or miss an opportunity or, you know, forget to put something in their backpack or, um, you know, and, and we've talked a bit about this on the show before in the form of like, we talked about the mini me syndrome and checking your ego at the door as a parent. Um, so I think the, the 
antidote to helicopter parenting is, I would say, becoming aware, reminding yourself again that this child has come through you uh, not they are not an extension of you and that they need to learn to walk their own path, become full human beings. And if we are constantly doing everything for them, including micromanaging decisions and that sort of thing, they will not develop those muscles themselves. All right, then I'm going to go back and retract my statement as okay. a helicopter parent. I'm more of a micromanager because I will let them and do you know, be, I, I don't feel that they're an extension of me. I don't feel like, Hey, I got to, whatever they're doing, I'm going to be a huge, you know, part of like, like, uh, like what, you know, when, a, when they used to tell when you'd have someone when you're in a play mm -hmm. and there's a, you know, backstage mom that was mm -hmm. like, Oh gosh, you know, like where you find out backstage dad or whatever that like they wanted to actually pursue theater. So like, yep. that's why they're there all the time. Uh, I don't feel like that is, I feel like I micromanage more in, in, in the sense of, even even today, I had to stop myself. Nate's going to the beach. He's 13 years old. Mm -hmm. He knows what's up. I go, hey, dude, you know, you got to pack your bag to go to the beach. He waits to the last minute. And then what I almost found myself doing is I start laying out everything that he needs to go to mm -hmm. the beach with. Here's your sandwich. Mm -hmm. Here's your, you know, backpack. Or here's the backpack. Put the talent at mm -hmm. the sunscreen, the water, but, 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 don't forget a hat. Uh, that I feel I'm more on that end micromanaging in the sense of did you do that? Did you do that? Did right. you do that? Did you do that? No, you're not going to do it. Okay, now they're here. I just did it for you. Whoa, what did I just learn from that? Right. How's he going to, you know, if I'm packing that? Yeah. And even when you were sitting there before we came into tape, I, I, I had to tell you, like, I'm, I want, you know, he had to put that together because if he doesn't, then how is he going to learn? Right, exactly. Today it's going to the beach, yeah. tomorrow it's going on a road yeah. trip. And I think that there's, you know. Where do you think you lie in? Are you oh, helicopter wow. or are you micromanager? Okay, I'm definitely not a helicopter parent. Uh, I don't have the time to be a helicopter parent. And I learned, actually, with my first daughter, I, 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 I was pretty clear fairly early on, like, it's. Uh, uh, I remember the moment, I remember where I was because it was such a huge revelation of being like, okay, so this human being that literally grew in my body is of my body, literally is also a separate human being. And I was able to recognize uh, actually as a parent much quicker than say some of my like romantic relationships or whatever, this idea of very rarely is any person on the planet doing something to deliberately try, try to like thwart you or screw you over or hurt your feelings. They're doing something that is for them. It's about their own journey. And when I could see that through her as my child, I was able to sort of start uh, applying that in other aspects of my life, but I have not mastered it. Yeah. Up until we started doing this show, mm -hmm. I was so, like I said, micromanaging. I was involved with so many different aspects and I still am, mm -hmm. but I have finally been able to understand and more, not even understand, but be able to accept that my two kids are on their own personal journey. Yep. They're their own individuals. And you know what? That, um, they're going to go on to do whatever they whatever they want to do, and for some reason, it. And I don't know if it's just generation of parents because my mom and dad don't have this. There's this sadness that would overcome me of, oh my gosh, they're growing up, and I wish they were ten again, and I wish mm -hmm. this. I was living in this this past all the time of like looking at the the holiday photos and being, oh gosh, I wish you could, you know, have be that age forever. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I one day it just hit me that that's not my gig as a parent. 
Yes. And also, what kind of mental guilt, weird vibe is that going to put on them that if I'm always like, are you like, Karen has to sometimes stop me when, when my daughter will be like, yeah, I'm going with my friends to go do this tonight. Boom, boom. And I go, oh, really? Well, are you coming home? And she'll go, Joe. Why? And I'm like, oh, you know, I have to go, hey, go yeah. and have a good time. Yeah. And then, she, you know, she'll say, you know, what, she, what she's saying is, I know you want to spend time with her, but like, this is her time yes. to go and do those things. Yes. She has to learn how to maneuver in the world, which is Los Angeles, so that she can go on with her life. Yes. And okay, so there's there's so many bits here. So first of all, <laughs> I just threw you a salad. You did, you did. So um, so those feelings of uh, you know, oh my god, I want you to stay little. I want you. So some some of that is just like it's it's little people. You know, when they're little, our children are little, and they think we walk on water, and they're just so yummy and squishy. And Ugh. of course, it's like this beautiful time in our lives. Um, and in theirs that we want to just sort of savor. Um, I would caution to do some reflection. This is not just for you, Joe. This is for me. This is for all of us as parents. That, and this is when, with, when we talk about empty nest syndrome, right? Which often parents will talk about and they'll experience like in earnest when their kids are going off to college. And to me, although it's like, I mean, I'm not certainly not suggesting like run away from that. I don't think there should be judgment on it. But I would stop and say, how much of my identity, my purpose in life, my own personal journey have I attached to this other human being that I feel a tremendous void or identity crisis? Or so that to me is, and I've I said this from like in so many different shows, it's really important from the time that you have that child that you are constantly reminding yourself and you're working with your partner to remind each other that they are not extensions of us, that we have to continue to be human beings and partners in our relationship and professionals and parents. And that if we have too much invested in one piece, and when I say invested, I don't mean, of course, I mean, if you bring a child into the world, our listeners also know I feel very strongly about the obligation that comes with that. We have to keep we stepping up and doing our best. That. But there's a difference between I brought this person into the world and I'm responsible for them and um, I'm filling a void with them. Let me interrupt you. Yeah. Do you feel that some of us have kids to fill the void? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I think that unfortunately. So then you said. So then, when that does happen, and there is that, there's that moment in time where that void isn't going to be filled because so and so moves on. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Then, then, then the, the the it's just open wide again. So I mean, we hear about this all the time. Like you know, whether it's you know young teenage girls who are super insecure, like deliberately getting pregnant, not something that happens a lot, but you will hear from these girls that um, that. Part of what they were looking for was an experience of unconditional love. And um, that is not something that is lost on many of us. Like even those of us who are not the insecure teenage girls, if we've had, you know, some trauma in our childhood, however we define that, and we're like, you know what, I'm going to make it better for my kids when I have a family, you know, or those of us who, who come from backgrounds where our family was separated for whatever reason, um, we kind of go on this mission to try to heal our own wounds around that by creating a family and I'm going to do it different and I'm always going to be present and I'm going to, and sometimes that can okay. be taken too far. There you go. That's me right there. Okay. That's me. Yes. Came from a divorced family. Mm -hmm. And like, I think from the time I, uh, since the moment I got married, since the moment I've had kids, I was like, I am going to 
make this the raddest family ever. Right, and I think that I think that that's a really, <laughs> I'm going to be so involved. Yeah, well, and that's a, it's a really potent pull because that experience that you had through your childhood would have been something you felt very powerless in, right? Mm-hmm. When and and all of you know that I am not one to advocate for stick it out no matter what. Sometimes marriages need to end. It's in everybody's best interest for the marriage to come to a conclusion. However, um that feeling that children get of like, oh, like this was my family unit. This is all I've ever known. Yeah, I don't really like it when mom and dad are fighting all the time, or I see mom sad, or dad sad, or you know these people are shells of human beings. Um, it feels scary that they're making decisions that are going to change my life radically that I have no say in. And so it is a natural thing then in your adult life when you do have a say to take that to the to the end. And we have to acknowledge it and be like, huh, like in pa- the show we talked about like past triggers. Oh, okay. Now I get why that's such a strong pull. And I need to remember that these children are not me. They are not extensions of me. I brought them into the world. They are on their own paths. What I need to do is make sure that they feel like they're not powerless, for example, as opposed to me fulfilling my, I need to have this tight-knit family and be involved in every single minute of everything everything they do because we are effectively debilitating our children when we are not allowing them to build those internal muscles through making decisions for themselves, through going out into the world and having to navigate, you know, human interaction, uh, to make choices and then find out that it was a mistake or to try and fail. All of those things are important parts of our inner development. Let's go to a break right there. Okay. I love I love ending on that thought right there. You're listening to Rad Parenting, my co-host, Anaya Bogue. I am Joe Sib. You're going to hear from our sponsor real quick. We'll be right back after this. Rad Parenting, Joe Sib here, co-host Nan Bogue. We're talking about helicopter parenting. We're talking about micromanaging. We're talking about filling a void with your child, which all of us, obviously there is a void, huge void when you have a child, but allowing yourself to actually start to gauge how much that void needs to be filled, I feel, by your child and really understanding that they're on their own journey. I know a lot of us right now are are listening to that and that concept I know was so hard for me to digest when I first heard it. Like, wait a minute, they are an extension of me. No. Nope. Hey, sure, did you have something to do with making them? Yes. yes. But you know what? As soon as they come out in this world, they're not they're not connected to you anymore. And they're gonna roll around this universe and and this planet doing what they want to do. Uh, I had an experience that that kind of triggered that was a part of the reason we kind of talked about doing this show was a buddy of mine, this guy that uh, was in my first band, right? Uh, my buddy, Kevin. Kevin Morrissey in Ohio. What is up? So he's at his mom's <laughs> house, and he's cleaning out all of her garage or something. And he finds his postcard, Anaya. And I, I almost wish I could post it on our site. And it was a postcard he had sent to his mom and dad when we were on the road. And it's literally, I'm not kidding, it's from 30 years ago. We were 19 years old. Mm-hmm. We were on our first tour in our van, in our band. We're 19. And we are in Dallas, Texas. And of course, being from California, that's a long ways away. There's no cell phones. There's no phone. If you wanted to call your folks or your girlfriend, you had to wait until you got to the show that night and then ask the promoter, hey, man, can I use your phone, a landline, to call home? That guy would be like, no, you yeah. can't. That's long distance. Yeah. You're not doing can you that. Make it collect. So then, may, yeah. So maybe <laughs> you'd stay at a buddy's house, you meet someone on the road. Hey, man, can I call home? So you, we would go for. 
for you know a week at a time before we'd call our parents. And in this case, he literally sent a postcard to his mom and dad to say, hey man, tour's going well. Uh, it's super trippy that we're out here in uh, Dallas. And, and the, and, and, but the thing was is that the whole communication was all coming from this postcard. Wow. And the whole significance of this whole postcard, what I felt was our parents had set us up that we could travel to Dallas in a van with four other guys have to find places to stay every night, have to deal with these promoters. And this is punk rock in the 80s, so it's not the most friendly atmosphere out uh -huh. there. And you're not playing in, like, the best clubs. You're, you know, the sketchiest place in the city, oh, yeah, that's where you're playing. That's where they would do the punk rock show. So for us to be rolling in that atmosphere was because my parents, and this is something I even had a conversation with my dad about, was they really, they did, there was no micromanaging. They really allowed us to develop the skills that we needed that we could at 19 years old mm -hmm. go out on the road and spend the whole summer playing punk rock shows right. and make it back in one piece. So they had to have had a fair bit of confidence that from d zero, like Joe, Joe arrived on the planet to the day that you went out on tour for the first time, that they had done their best to give you the tools that you were going to need to make good choices, some of which were going to result in mistakes, which does not make them not good choices, um, so that you could have this experience. And I, I know you still talk about these this time on the road because it was another, the whole next phase of your development as a human being to be who you ultimately have become. But the thing that I've realized, and I'm guilty of it, I don't know if you are, is that sometimes I feel that we are holding our kids' hands so much yes. that maybe that idea of the development, them being able to develop the skills of being to go out on the road for, at 19 years old and travel. And, and hey, for me, it's traveling and being in a band first. A listener could be, hey, I'm in a traveling baseball team. I'm in a traveling basketball team. Mm -hmm. I'm on the gymnastics team. Mm -hmm. Hey, I, I'm, uh, the, I'm part of the debate team and we're going here. So I want to rewind because I really feel that you've tapped into the micromanaging and how it's detrimental to allowing your kids to develop the skills. Let, let's go back to, for the parents mm -hmm. uh, of the younger kids, mm -hmm. three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's go right around that area because I feel a lot of So they're not into adolescence they're yet. Not into they're adolescence not moving yet. yet sort of in a, a slightly more independent way. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I want to start earlier. You, you, how Easy. Do, how do you start as a parent taking your hands off the steering wheel a little bit and letting them steer the car of life. So I think from the time that they are little, it can even begin with simple things like letting them make choices, choices about what they want to wear, giving them, say, for lunch today, do you want, you know, macaroni or do you want a sandwich? And even that little thing, instead of just you deciding what they're going to have, um, while also, of course, when it comes to food, exercising your experience and your, you know, no, I get that. Goals, you're, you're obviously, like you're, you're not saying you want McDonald's, right, go for exactly. it. Exactly. No, but you're saying, and you want to continue to expose them to things. Is what I'm saying. Start allowing them to make choices as that's right. And those early years, because, and you're also saying that if for you it'll be easier as they get older because you'll have developed 
that relationship where, hey, they make decisions on what they wear, they make yes. decisions on what, they, what they're eating, so yeah. that when they have to start making dis- bigger decisions, you've already, um, I'd like to use the analogy of like started taking the training wheels off. That's right, because they have the experience, and that's really important, because you know there's a study that came out not that long ago that suggested that children of parents who over-parent actually... Uh, often struggle with anxiety and depression, often have more difficulty making decisions and feeling like, I can do this, I'm okay. Not being terrified of failure, being like annihilating to them. Um, Not feeling entitled because they actually have to work toward certain things themselves and they've learned how to do that. There's all kinds of benefits that I think are directly tied to the things most parents would say, Here's what I want my kid to to, to become, like, meaning I want them to be a, a a fully functioning human being that can participate in his or her daily existence. Um, so we have to remember that. And I think that the other, like if I'm guilty of anything, I would say it's absolutely like I have some control issues. And there are times when I'm like, I've got so much on my plate and there's so much that needs to get done in my house in a day that I will frequently make the mistake of like, okay, just let me do it. Cause I know it'll be done right. It'll be done fast. And I have to like actively consciously look for moments when, okay, Anna, it's the weekend Everything, we don't have to cram 50 things into three hours. So maybe now would be the time to give, you know, your daughters the opportunity to like just take their time, make a decision. It doesn't have to be done perfectly, blah, blah, blah. That's See right there where you issue. say, doesn't have to be done perfectly. That's where I slide in because I get so wrapped up in, hey, I asked you to do A, B, and C. And then I go back and look at what I've asked them to do, whether it's chores, whether it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things I've asked for them to do around the house. And then I go back and look at the things I asked and it was just done so bad and poorly. Right. Then I'm like, I'm not going to ask him next time. And I end up doing it again, which I really feel they know that. And they, they say to each other, Hey, if we do a really bad job, job. he won't ask us anymore. But seriously. And, and, but that is, that's a mistake. And going back to like your, your question about how do we start early on? So I started with the most basics, like just allowing them the opportunity to exercise those decision-making muscles, if you will. But then from fairly early on, I would argue, and I've had parents go really laundry at nine and a, don't you think that's a bit early for them to have have to be responsible? No, no, I don't think it's early. I think absolutely when you um, enable them to learn how to do something that they have direct benefit from, i.e., clean clothing. And some of you are going like, my kid could care less. You know, he would wear a dirty t-shirt five days straight, whatever, whatever. Well, you know what? He's probably going to stop the first time one of his buddies is like, dude, you stink. So the, the, the bottom line is that all, I think making choices as parents that give our children opportunities to do as much as possible for themselves or to contribute to the family team by doing things around the house, the earlier you start, the better. If you suddenly are at like the age of 12 or like, guess who's going to start doing chores around the house? They're going to basically think that you're out of your mind. So d- having your kids from the time they're young, just say, clean up their toys after themselves. A three-year-old can clean up their toys and with the right affirmation and, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. I can't wait to tell mommy or daddy what a big helper you were today. Let me tell you, that will go so far and it will help them to develop habits that is that are, that are enabling them to actively participate in shaping their daily reality. And that goes a long way in terms of building confidence, their sense of personal agency. I can have an impact on my world. I can write my own story, create my own path, whatever analogy that you want to use. I would venture to guess most parents listening would say, 
Heck yeah, that's what I want for my kid. I want him or her to be able to function uh, out in the world, be able to make decisions, take risks, blah, blah, blah. Well, if that's what you want, stop doing everything for your child. Stop hovering over every, every move they make. Stop trying to make everything perfect. Stop trying to prevent them from failing or falling. Or falling. You know, the, 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 the analogy I always use is I, I've seen... Uh, and we've all seen it. You're at the park, the kid on the swing or he's on the tree. They're going back and forth. You know, the little girl is uh, standing in front of the slide and or not wanting to go or wanting to go down it, standing up. And then, no, no, don't do that. You'll get hurt. The, the best thing I always say, and I, I've, I've always said this, is that if someone can take a fall or a slam and it's not, you know, life-threatening like, wow, they can't walk away from that. But some of the best times that I've ever, me personally, have learned myself is when you take a slam like that and you're like, wow, okay, next time I'm not going to do it that way. And that's, that's right. how you learn. That's right. Next time I'm not going to jump from the top of the swing down onto the slide because I can't make it. And those types of opportunities as a parent to step away you know, I told the story about the mom that had the son that was riding the bike down the hill and she, a million miles an hour. And she kept saying, look, you know, you're going, you're going too fast. Wouldn't listen. He slid across the grass on his face. He had this big mark oh. on his face. But she said, yeah, he'll never do that again. And I was like, wow. She said it was a learning moment for him. And that can be applied to so many things. Yeah. But, but I know right now a lot of, because I, I want everyone that's listening not to feel bad about the micromanaging that we do as parents, our generation of parents, people are listening to the show. Sure, there's, there's, I, I know there's a lot of you that are like, hey, I don't do that. So, okay, next episode, please. But for the parents out there that do a lot of the micromanaging, that do say, hey, you know what? The dishes have been in the sink. I've asked you to wash them. They're not going to do it, and they continue doing whatever they're doing, and you end up washing it just because you want to get it done. That right there is such a teachable moment that you need to have them do that because if it's the, it's the dishes today and it's paying the electric bill and the gas yep. bill tomorrow, yeah. And if not, you're gonna we're all gonna have kids that are forty years old that don't know how to pay off uh, a mortgage, that don't know how to fill out uh, the the paperwork to get a phone or, yep. or any of that because all of us it's all in our names and it's all been set up uh, there's you know there was there's been so many jokes done about that with the millennials and that that it that they need help like you know uh i was watching this um I'm spacing, on, I'm spacing on the name of the comedian, but he, he, he made a joke on stage and and the whole thing was about uh his son calling him or they go to visit him and and he's and he's sitting his apartment's cold and he goes what's up with the heat you know call the landlord he goes I'm not too good at doing that. Yep. Can you do it for yep. me? Yep. And the comment makes a big joke about, oh my gosh. And he goes, before I know it, I'm on the phone with the landlord. Yes. Because my son, who's in his 20s, can't call the landlord. And he goes, it's my fault. Yep. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, that is totally uh, possible to happen if, you're not, if you don't keep your eye on the ball. Right. So this is conscious parenting. So I would say that just to, just to, to kind of bring this back around and come to a nice close, um, I would say that 
if we can all pause and with our partner or individually and then with our partner, whatever, we go, okay, really, what is the end goal here? What do we want? You know, if we were to say, here are 10 things we want our kid to be able to do by the time he or she is going out on their own, and then use that list to say, how are we doing? How are we creating opportunities for this kid to actually learn these things, or are we hindering the development of those important muscles? Um, and and we're gonna, you know, the kid's gonna be leaving home, and we're gonna be like, uh oh, now what do we do? Because it's gonna be really difficult. Yeah, so. yeah, it, 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 it's it's so important to take all these things into consideration uh, when you're parenting. And like I always say, don't feel bad. We've both been there. You're helicoptering, you're micromanaging. You want the best for your son or daughter, but the bottom line is allow them to make those decisions that they need to make. Hey, and I, I just remembered that it was Dana Carvey. And if you want ah. a good laugh, if you want a good laugh, it's his new Netflix special, Dana Carvey, Straight, straight White Male 60. And the, the first 15 minutes, it, it was funny because he's talking about his kids. Is and Dana all, Carvey 60? I know, 60 years old. <gasps> 60 years old. There you go. Oh, okay. I'd love to have him on the show. Yes. I'd love to have him on the show. I've, I've, I've ran and crossed paths with him a couple of times here at the Improv. That'd or, be fun. Uh, in Los Angeles, so it'd be cool. Hey, please keep the emails coming. Radparenting at gmail.com. Send us a text. Parenting to 313131. Want to thank everyone also for all the reviews on iTunes. It has been amazing, and that really, really helps our show so much. My name is Joe Sib. And Anaya Bogue. And we're out of here. Late. Late.